0: Hello, I'm Dr. Len Baer. Welcome to another Sunday podcast, Targeted Justice v. Garland. This is week 34 episode. Yes, it's been this long since we filed this extraordinary lawsuit. And the further we go, the more extraordinary it becomes. Uh, You don't have to believe me. You can just listen to the commentary by my Sunday co-pilot, the Queen of Jurisprudence, a remarkable Amazon woman warrior, and their journey for the plaintiffs, Anna Toledo. Welcome to the show, Anna.
1: Hi, good morning. Thank you. Thank you for that introduction. And I'm just so happy to be here. You know, this is the highlight of my week.
0: Excellent, Anna. Uh, I, I have to say this, this week, I also learned that an initiative called International Natural and Common Law Tribunal for Public Health and Justice that takes on the issues that can be summarized as crimes against humanity. Um th- that they have nominated you Anna, and elected as a judge for this international tribunal. So congratulations, Your Honor. <laughs> Anna. Thank you. Thank
1: you, Lenny. Well- As I had mentioned to you, it's really important for me because uh, when I got here, I started from scratch. You know, I I started in zero. Uh, All the all the history, all my my background that I had accumulated back home, uh, well, went to ashes when I got here. So for me, I I am very grateful and very honored to form part of that um institution because it's they play a really important role in creating awareness about the crimes against humanity and uh they're going to be working with us in some initiatives as as you know the initiatives that we're going to be uh undertaking with icator and pax so i i am i am just very honored and thankful
0: excellent thank you thank you anna uh, I will make sure to post a link to this initiative's uh, website in the description of the show. But now let's introduce today's special guest, Melanie Vrishan, who is also associated with two important international organizations: ICTOR, International Coalition Against Electronic Torture and Robotization of Living Beings, and you use use catch, European Coalition Against Covert Harassment. Melanie, welcome to the podcast.
2: Thank you, Dan. I'm really, really pleased to be here. I'm recording this, all, you know, from my holiday uh, spot uh, yeah, here in the south of France, but I'm really thrilled to be here, and I thank you so much for this opportunity of this
0: interview. You're very welcome. We're excited to have you. We'll talk to Melanie later in the show, but now it's time for our legal segment, and I hope you're sitting down because the information in this segment will definitely be an eye-opener. On the last show, Anna and I reviewed the case, Ibrahim v. DHS, that contained far-reaching facts and findings pertaining, pertaining to the TSDB, the Terrorist Screen Database, filed by the attorneys of CARE, Council of Arab-American Relations. This week, I would like to start our legal segment with reviewing another case that Anna informed me about. Just like our case, it was dismissed at the district court level and is currently sitting in the same U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit, where our case is also currently in. So if it's okay with you, Anna, I prepared some slides And let's go to the slides, and then I would like you to explain the significance of this groundbreaking case, its connection to our case, and then uh, you can also provide us with other relevant updates. Uh, Sounds like a plan, Anna?
1: It is. It's a plan. Go for it.
0: Okay, let's do it. So these are the slides that I prepared about this, uh, another Fifth Circuit TSDB case uh, that we will review today. Uh, The case is called Corvus v. Ray. As you know, Ray, uh, Christopher Ray, is the director uh, of uh, the FBI. The uh, case was filed in Northern District of Texas. It uh, has five plaintiffs, all U.S. citizens. Um, It has six individual defendants, including Mr. Ray, uh, plaintiffs are represented by four attorneys associated with care Council of American Islamic relations uh case was dismissed on March 9th of this year and notice of appeal was filed in Fifth Circuit on March 22nd of this year and legal briefs was uh, uh, legal brief was filed on June 21st this is the legal brief by the uh, plaintiffs, and that's the subject of uh, today's conversation. Have I did I get the facts uh, uh, straight so far, Anna?
1: Uh, yes, and I have to add to that that um, the government asked for an extension of time to file their brief by September nineteenth, and the clerk of the court said, "Now we'll partly grant your uh, your request and gave them until the last week of August to file it." So uh, that's good.
0: That's really good. I agree. This is a good indication of um, really where the court uh, stands. So let's talk about the issue in this case, Covas v. Ray. The issue is whether federal agencies' creation, maintenance, and operation of the federal terror watch list poses a major question that demands clear congressional authorization, and if so, whether such clear congressional authorization exists. Do you have any comments about the issue, Anna?
1: Yeah, well, the the wonderful thing about this case is that the the district court, the Northern District of Texas court already made a factual finding that being placed on the list represents, and I quote, the liberty intrusions that flow from the watch list are significant. Uh, the TSC compiles biographic, biometric identifying information, name, date of birth, photographs, iris scans, and/or fingerprints of listed individuals. These are people. The people, the plaintiffs, the appellants in this case are people that encounter problems when traveling. They are not like targeted individuals that are in there for a secret criteria and and don't. As Timothy Gross said, don't represent a terrorist threat. The second thing important in this case that is the first time I see it in all of these cases that have litigated the TSDB, which are all filed primarily by Muslims, is that they say Mr. Kovac eh, has not been investigated, has not been accused, has not been tried or sentenced for any terrorism, and that's and that's language that we have been using from the get-go you know that uh plaintiffs are placed on this list targeted individuals are placed on this list without an iota of evidence that they are linked to terrorism so yeah
0: okay okay thank you anna um the the i personally i have not expected such a turn of events we never Actually, thought whether Congress authorized, we just me not legally minded. I just thought, okay, the the, the here's the um, executive order, but the deeper question is whether the Congress authorized it, and so um, uh, this is this is what uh, claims uh, in this case are brought under due process clause, equal prote- protection clause non-delegation doctrine, administrative procedure act. Do you have any comments, Anna? Because some of these are not um uh, uh I'm not really familiar with so maybe you can explain.
1: Well I knew I knew that uh Congress had to authorize this but here's the here's the distinction, okay? Um this case comes in at another stage. This case is beyond the pleading stage. It, it has gone to the circuit a few times. So they have carried out some discovery. And it's it's a, this is a summary judgment case, okay, which is Rule 56, which is way down the line. We are not in that position yet uh, to argue that because... We don't have um uh, for example uh, we have not been able to put in into the record the evidence that uh, the evidence he talks about the distribution of the watch list uh, and I'm referring to the watch list as the TSDB okay because I we know it's not the same thing but I'm referring to the whole thing uh as a watch list because the distribution of the of the TSDB I learned about it. Because he is the one, this attorney, this lead attorney, is the one that wrote, uh, um, litigated the successful case, El Haiti versus Cable, that eventually uh, the Fourth Circuit reversed only because they said that those plaintiffs had a redress procedure, which is really not, not uh, meaningful redress uh, to get their names removed from uh, from the list. So, uh, although. You know how you like to talk about serendipity and synchronicity. Although it it appears to be a different, you know, situation it is not because they're both saying the same we're both speaking the same language this is innocent people and what they're doing is racial profiling actually in in his case but he's he's not going there because i think he already tried to litigate that and the courts dismissed it Uh, but but when you see that they're all put in this list and they have not been investigated accused or sentenced for any terrorist crime you you know it's racial profiling what they're doing uh but he just he just uh, explained it so beautifully because it is congress this restriction of liberties of American citizens has to be has to come down from a man, a mandate from Congress. It cannot be arbitrarily carried out by the agencies as it has been done. And as you and I know, agencies don't even comply with their own regulations because that Inspector General of the United States in its report 08-16 said it. FBI does not comply with agency regulation so aside from the fact that it's not a mandate from congress with a specific criteria we know that they are just doing with it whatever they want to do
0: then- okay okay Anna. uh uh thank you for explaining this this difference in in uh, between our cases that that something i didn't know before i always learn something from you this is this is a a an important distinction and uh i've I believe you are referring to when you say "p." Uh, you are referring to main attorney Mr. Abbas, um, and I read his uh, writing. And Mr. Abbas is associated associated with care. I I tried to contact Mr. Abbas. We admire your work. Uh, we you're welcome. Uh, on this podcast we would love to uh join our forces i understand you you're you're a busy person but your legal writings are just extremely important and 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 and, and comprehensive so with that let's go to the other uh, slide this is the summary judgment that you are that you were referring to anna um the district court believes that the congress Clearly authorized the list based on the vague, vague mishmash of statutory language, and the plaintiffs argue that Congress has not authorized create not authorized to create, maintain, administer, or use of million name list to infringe on the liberty of U.S. citizens which represents extraordinary assertion of federal agency power. This is something that you just explained to us, Anna. Uh, So with that, let's go to uh, some of the select arguments. I didn't cover all the arguments, but I thought some of the arguments were really important and relevant. For example, the, the way they explain serious intrusion of personal liberty, They give an example of employee um, mandated vaccination, and they they give an example of CDC uh, issuing this uh, vaccination mandate to the government employees, which is a significant uh, encroachment into the lives and health of uh, of the employees. And it's not everyday exercise of federal power this is the this is the type of encroachment they, they that they are talking about uh, which we know was reversed so anna do you have any comments about that
1: well they also mention that the tsc which is a terror screening center distributes the watchlist information to thousands of law enforcement and private entities and this is the key where it impacts traffic stop field interviews House visits, you know about the wellness checks, municipal permit processes firearm firearm purchases, certain licensing licensing applications and and in this case, also, I read even in bond hearings for people that are accused of anything, they are using this information and not telling and not telling the accused so uh even though he doesn't go into it, you know the targeting is this this describes targeting it's you know because people uh that are on the list they are subject to unfair traffic stops they are profiled you know they're they singled out and and that's where the for example criminal entrapment begins it's just the snowball effect that it, you know the unfairness of being on this list just puts um it, all the odds against you it and and that's what it, that's why it interferes with these major principal liberties of people to be walking around without having police interfere with you unfairly and, and, and all of these cases. So, um, yeah, he hit uh, the nail on the head. And and uh, I'm just dying to read what <laughs> what defendants are going to um, answer.
0: And then, Yes, we were very much on the edge of our seats uh, to see what happens in this case. And of course, in our case, the fact that uh, this Fifth Circuit Court has these two cases in front of them, this is this is remarkable. This is not an, an a, this is an extraordinary uh, time in our country's history. And let me go to the conclusions in uh, uh, in COVAS. Right? These conclusions are obviously by the plaintiffs because we're reviewing plaintiffs' brief. So they conclude that Congress has not authorized federal agencies to create and maintain watch lists in size, scope, or level of intrusion on listees' individual liberty. These are all the things that you that you mentioned, Anna, just, just a minute ago. The everyday life, from traffic stop to renting to financial decisions, it affects every aspect of listee's life. And that, um, however, district court held that Congress clearly authorized the watch list. And at the same time, district court did not conclude that the text of any specific statute authorized federal agencies to create, maintain, and use the watch list. Instead, the argument was cobbled together from a hodgepodge of different statutes. This is not the way we we conduct legal affairs in this country. This separation of power between the 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 uh, um, uh, lawmakers and the executive range the separation of power cannot tolerate this beautifully said mr bus what do you say Anna?
1: well yeah beautifully said i echo that uh and not only that but for for as it pertains to our case because what he's referring to is that what congress authorized is for the tsa to use this uh information to screen passengers okay but, that, that, but that's not an authorization of the watch list of the TSEB per se, okay? It's just the use of it. But in our particular situation, which is I have to bring it here, is that even Homeland Security Presidential Directive 6 that authorized this terrorist screening database, it does not contemplate placing anyone that is not a known or suspected terrorist on it. And now we know that Mr. Robinson swore in under penalty of perjury that there's people there for a secret criteria. So they are even abusing their own mandate or executive order under which they uh think they have authority to place innocent civilians, innocent Americans and innocent people throughout the world on this list. So we you know, we're going to take that argument a step further. There's not only no congressional um, authority but also even their executive order authority doesn't give them the right to put innocent people and mark them as suspected terrorists because as timothy grow admitted under penalty of perjury they do not represent a terrorist threat and this list is supposed to be only for those alleged terrorist threats then
0: I totally agree, Anna. I also like the language of uh, Mr. Abbas when he tells the Congress that you cannot dodge this uh, function of authorizing if, you, if, 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 an, if an executive branch, if, if a federal agency is going to take away the basic liberties and the basic rights of U.S. citizen, the Congress cannot dodge not authorizing it. So with that, this is my conclusion. Fifth Circuit is the place to be. Anna, do you have any other legal updates?
1: Well, yeah, I just wanted to share. my. I'm very proud. I had to bring my prop today. I'm very proud. Let me see if you see it there. Uh, it's my diploma from the Fifth Circuit because there's a lot of people. Oh, there you go there you have it, uh, of my admission to the Fifth Circuit. And I'm very proud of it because, you know, it takes it takes a lot of preparation and, and education and, and effort to achieve that. Uh, of the 1.3 million attorneys in the United States, a reduced amount, probably less than 10% are, are admitted to district courts. And a very smaller amount are admitted to the court of appeals so you know i am very proud of that because i know we're going to make history both the the mr abbas case the kovac versus ray uh case and our case are going to change the course of history not just for americans but for people around the world and and i'm i'm just really proud to have received that and to be part of it and and you know like i have said on a few occasions before, um, before I had a happy life, uh, despite the bad things that happened to me, I always took it like, well, you know, if something bad happens for a good reason. But now I have a meaningful life, which is, you know, we're going to end this evil program, and we're going to do it. And and so, I wouldn't change my life for anyone's. Aim, d- despite the targeting and everything, I wouldn't change. Where I am right now for anyone, so I'm very thankful to the targeted community for having deposited their trust in me, and and I'm just gonna work real hard to not let anyone down. Then,
0: and beautifully said, and congratulations on rece- receiving the cert certificate from the fifth circuit. You're officially in. So and yeah. and the and, and and your words about uh your life are uh, having a meaning. I I hope that every targeted individual takes it to heart. You you are a perfect example of this. You're on a mission. And every targeted individual can make, can give a meaning to their life if they if they get involved into this everyday activism. And targeted justice justice is is there to support you. And give you information, give you materials, give you the tools. Um, we are we will support you all the way and we will work on this together. So give TIs, give meaning to your life. Okay. It's so, a
1: motivation, really. Yeah.
0: The it's the suffering okay. that we
1: have gone through is a motivation yeah. because we don't want future generations to to go through what we've gone through and this horrible um moment in history we have to make sure it never happens again mk ultra was redone conto pro was redone and we have the responsibility every ti has the responsibility to make sure that we bring it down and it doesn't happen again
0: okay melanie thank you for being so patient and waiting for your turn I can't wait to hear what you have to say. Uh, you have not just an international, but also a specific Belgian perspective on things. So I hope you can explain the specific and the unique and uniqueness of your country, uh, specific jurisprudence system. But But for starters, please take us through your personal journey that brought you to this moment in time. Melanie?
2: Yeah, thank you, Len. Uh, well, my personal story is, um, you know, I'm actually a German citizen. And after my studies, I um, won a competition at the European Union. And that's why I moved to Brussels. Uh, and I w- worked there for as a temporary agent for about three years. And then I found other stops, uh, 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 jobs. So I, uh, well, and until then, I think it was just a normal, regular, as Anna said, happy life, you know. But maybe it was less, certainly less meaningful than what I do now. Uh, when I was 30, uh, 38 years of age, I uh, was targeted. That means I've been consensually implanted and used in all kinds of um, uh, experiments um, that I've never consented to. And uh, that I have, I think I might be the first uh, citizen in Belgium or maybe... One of the first, even in Europe, that I have all the scientific proof of this uh, non-consensual implantation, and uh, um, being a victim of um, also uh, what is called organized stalking, There was a lot of uh, well, police reports where there were witnesses um, to it, and also uh, there were various of my neighbors were witnesses of people entering my home, uh, you know, clandestinely and explaining they were real estate agents when I actually never. Put up my apartment for sale. So uh, based on that, um, I was. um, It uh, it has been recognized. My victimization with these, um, you know, uh, emerging technologies has been recognized officially by the Belgian state, Uh, and uh, therefore I um, got a. um, Well, it's not very much, of course, but uh, a uh, a disability uh, pension, you know, (laughs) but. Uh, what is different from most of the victims is that I got it based on the scientific evidence that I was able to produce, and not uh, based on some kind of uh, psychological disorder, or which is often the case, um, as we know, with uh, victims of electronic terrorism. And I stress that it is we're talking about a new form of terrorism here, so it is clearly um, the case. So that is that is my story. My last uh, employment before. Um, being targeted was I used used to work for a program of the European Space Agency, for the the, the operator. I don't know if you've heard about the Galileo pro uh, project. Uh, that's a, a worldwide satellite navigation um, you know program, and I worked on EGNOS, That is um, was the European prototype of this um, the satellite navigation um, program. So uh, I, earned quite well my life quite well. I uh, had a lot of friends, colleagues, and I was traveling a lot and uh, did a lot of sports. Was totally healthy, and uh, I would say I was <laughs> I lived a happy life. But um, my eyes were still shut to what is really going on and the issues that are now um, really crucial crucial in in my life. And I'm determined to resolve them or at least be one of the spearheads of the um, this movement to to resolve them um, to, as Anna said, to create a happier, safer world for us all, especially for our children and our children's children. So <laughs> that's in a nutshell. <laughs> that is also then why I um, actually, uh, Icator or ICATOR, the International Coalition Against Electronic Torture and Robotization of Living Beings is already third. Uh, association I have founded or co-founded uh that I had that I have the honor to serve as a as the president um I was involved in the um, international Center against abuse of cover technology uh ten years ago which was started by a Californian citizen um Mr. Jesse badpin at the time uh and then in, that was in two thousand eleven that that was founded and then then 2013, I co-founded with the German-Swedish lawyer, Dr. Henning Witte, um, a, uh, an association that was called, that you just mentioned, uh, land, uh, the European Coalition Against Covert Arrestment, we founded that in Stockholm. And in 2015, uh, I was approached by a few of uh, citizens living in Belgium the targeting is, is very very bad in belgium i mean as you know we have uh, nato just right next door and a lot of uh, yeah uh, governmental um institution and i think brussels is the city in the world that has the most spies recognized you know the most uh intelligence presence uh so i was approached by a Couple of uh, victims um, asking me to um, create an association in Belgium, a not-for-profit association and to uh, assume the presidency of this uh, this association. So ICATO was created in 2016 um, with uh, various uh, Belgium citizens living in Belgium as board members and one in France. And uh, since then my efforts have been tireless uh, to uh, well, raise awareness for the police crimes, you know <laughs> uh, I've been numerous times in the European Parliament, um, you know meeting members of the European Parliament uh, and um, also uh, organizing hearings and meetings um, about this subject. Uh, and I've also been focusing on providing victims uh, the necessary scientific evidence um, of their victimisation. Uh, and that uh, I'm doing this till day, so that they could at least benefit, let's say, in the first stage uh, of a disability um, pain, because you know victims uh, once are targeting, they lose all uh, their livelihood, uh, their financial stability. Um, many of them are homeless, so uh, that they could at least benefit from um, a disability pension. Uh, but um, and that this is the important thing, not being Categorized as mentally ill, so uh, I achieved that for me, and uh, I have been organizing uh, measurements and scans um, for the targeted uh, community since then, uh, so that uh, a few of the my my fellow uh, citizens that fell victim to this uh, could benefit from the first um, from this uh, first help, or at least you know, not uh, protect them from. Uh, getting you know <laughs> really homeless um and but this is only the first um step then i have been focusing on actually getting us legal legal representation because it is sure that uh i'm very very um full of admiration what anna has done and has accomplished and is still accomplishing i believe she's going she, she will go very far this and i agree that this is we're creating something historical uh, this will be um, a, a historical case uh, but uh, i've also been focusing on this this to, to mount a case present something solid um, that uh, hopefully the judge will not dismiss or um, if he or she dismisses we will immediately file an appeal and this is really a crime that is um well uh it's, it's it's the highest juridical uh, uh, authorities that have to uh, statuate on that, so um, we're not afraid of going up to to Strasbourg if we have to, you know. <laughs> um, so we will see. But uh, well, the first thing is to collect sufficient evidence or some uh, circumstantial evidence so that the judge can form this intimate conviction. That um, to launch investigations because uh, our uh, judicial system, our judicial system is a little different than um, it is in the states. I believe we have to, um, I believe that in, in the United States, it has to be the um, DA, um, you know that, that that launches investigations. It decides uh, uh, upon launching investigations. We in Europe have a little um, a different system. Uh, we have the possibility of seizing. Uh, an investigative judge, uh, we as victims, um, to to ask him to to launch investigations. That's what we're planning to do. Uh, and uh, after about 10 years of looking for legal representation, as you know, probably it is very difficult to find uh, legal representation for victims. This is, there's hardly any lawyer uh, brave enough uh, to, to take this on. Um, and uh, I did find uh, legal representation, uh, there is a, um, a legal law firm, but that only works, it's a not-for-profit association actually as well, they only take cases um, that are in the public interest, so public interest cases, this clearly is the public interest case, this is uh, about, um, you know, our health case, about, uh, you know, public health, uh, public health concern uh security of course and the freedom uh, of all citizens um not only european uh, but uh around the world uh i believe we are at a, at a crucial time now uh to to secure this this freedom and uh it is only unfortunately us that have been targeted ourselves and that um know what we're going through and experiencing this this now we say hell uh that that unfortunately have to um take this um, there is responsibility to that to, to see to it that that occurs. Uh, so um, the the law firm or the law association that I uh, was able to um, well uh, to yeah to engage uh, with us in this fight is called Droit et Liberté Rights and Freedoms. Uh, we had we had various conferences uh, with them. You might have seen uh, one of of them was done with Anna Toledo when she was in brussels um when she uh, well explained about the um the legal procedure she has launched uh, and that was very very well received there were many many um citizens that were not necessarily targeted that um came later to me and to our head lawyer um, paolo crescenzo asking questions saying that you know we're astonished this is going on and why is not any why isn't anything done uh so that helped us to grow our ranks and the awareness because i think the awareness is crucial uh in in, in our situation um to to get the critical mass to to, to help us to support us and um, so so that we can swing the odds in our favor and hopefully mount um, a successful case uh, so that i've been really focusing on the other thing is that there were previous ash- Efforts made, uh, you know, by myself to obtain a hearing in the European Parliament. There is, uh, especially, in front of a committee that is called, um, uh, yeah, civil Li- liberties, justice, and home affairs. It's the LIBE committee. That is the committee responsible for this kind of, uh, you know, um, concerns. Um, I in 2000, and that well, where, where the connection is also with Dr. Alfred. Lumberman weber I, I, I don't think that uh, um, Anna has mentioned that uh, you know uh, before, but uh, we will certainly uh, work closer with uh, targeted justice uh, in the future and also PAX. and Dr Alfred lumberman Weber was one of the pioneers in um you know raising awareness for these crimes and uh, trying to uh, create appropriate legislation to regulate these technologies and prohibit these technologies. Uh, with his help at the time, um, I think it, I believe it was in 2013, I had approached the president of the Libby Committee and asked him to organize a hearing uh, about these issues with all our experts, so medical, legal, and technical. Uh, and I was in the process of obtaining this. Um, When uh, uh, there had been a Canadian victim that had been coming over, you know, to stay with me uh, during the Christmas holidays, because she didn't feel safe in Canada, she was very, very afraid that they would put her in a psych ward or even, you know, uh, seriously harm or or kill her. So she uh, came over uh, a bit in a fright, and she was victim. uh, She was witness to what happened to me. Uh, We said before the Christmas holidays, okay, uh, we're about uh, to organize this hearing, and after the Christmas holidays, we'll meet for a um, preliminary meeting to organize this hearing, and that would have been really um, uh well, something substantial, you know. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so, okay, uh, one evening we came home um, with uh, my hands full of shopping bags because I had organized uh, for the for the New Year's uh, for New Year's Eve uh, a um, well a dinner for um for the eyes, you know for targeted individuals that were lonely and I was handcuffed into uh you know my my friend was a victim, uh, witness to this I was handcuffed in front of my home and uh and taken to um a uh, brussels university psych ward where I met a psychiatrist who told me well he didn't really know what is going on, but he had received. Uh, the order from the prosecutor to actually uh, hospitalize me <laughs> uh, in this um, in this uh, psych ward, and um, so we had a discussion, and he then called my GP, and my GP uh, because of the measurements I had been organized uh, organizing in the in the Faraday cage and uh, with private investigators uh, with whom we're collaborating. My GP said, well, I'm sorry, but she has all of the scientific and medical proof to uh, prove that she is a victim of what she's claiming to be a victim. And even if she wasn't, there is no reason to arrest somebody in front of your, your home <laughs> if you're not posing any threat uh, to to yourself <laughs> or to to anybody else. So it, it was completely dysfunctional what happened and uh, so I was waiting with um, the three police officers um, in in the room. Whilst, when the psychiatrist came back, I was uh, handcuffed, and um, then the psychiatrist uh, turned to me and said, um, "Yeah, I've spoken to your GP, uh, madam. You're free to go." And he asked um, the police officers um, to to take off my uh, the handcuffs, <laughs> and uh, well, the, the the police officer was very relaxing to do that. And then I heard, well, the, he said he did it and asked me if I was going to be nice or not going to throw a fit. <laughs> and I said, well, of course, I'd be nice. And you know? I'm going to be nice. So <laughs> so he took took off my handcuffs and he took the police officer um, in uh, in a room, well, the, the, the psychiatrist in a room next door. And he said, doctor, can I speak to you? Two minutes in private. And they went uh to to the room um next door and I didn't hear exactly what they were saying, but I heard that the doctor said, no, 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 I'm sorry, no. So I think that police officer at that point was trying to pressure or put pressure on the on the doctor to have me administered, But the psychiatrist did not play ball and um so I I um I was free to go. So that shows us What's the importance of collecting such, such scientific evidence that you have something to hold against? Um, you know these these uh, false uh, psychological disorder um, diagnoses that are so easily put on the victims of this kind of um, crime. So that's what I've been dealing with uh, in the in an effort to to go forward um, and to to really develop our course and also our organization to grow. And I'm very pleased to announce that we, yesterday we had a meeting uh, so where we decided to work closer together with Targeted Justice, because I have, and also PAX, Uh because I have a lot of um, respect uh, for the work you, you do and that Anna does. Sorry.
1: I just wanted to say um, that um, a Melanie was the one that taught me that her V2K called her a failed experiment. And now you can see why she is because they have done everything they could to bring her down, and she's just such a strong person um and i and I like to 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 say that the only thing I take a pride on is to on being a failure is being this failed experiment because there is no technology um uh, there is no human malfeasance that can stop this. And, uh, and she's, she's, uh, a prime example of, that. so, um, I wanted to share something before she comes back, um, that we have a, a TI that writes to us and I'm just going to write just, it's for, it's a, a four one verse of one of her uh, poems. She writes poems and, and she wrote this, uh, I'm not going to say her name cause I don't have authorization, but I'll read what she wrote. It says, I hope and I dream of a day I am free, not under surveillance where all eyes can see. And it's a longer poem, but that is just the gist of what we're all fighting for. And, and I just want to tell her it's, it's going to, I'm going to write to her because, you know, as I, as I've mentioned before, my favorite thing is to get letters and write to, to the people that write to us. Um, But I, I will be answering her and thanking her for the pretty poems. But it's, it's, It's going to be a reality. We are going to be free and we're fighting really hard every day for that. So I just want people to be very conscious of their verb, of their words, because um, I used to say, you know, when you put words out there and they cause hurt, you cannot take them back. The hurt is already there. So I, I just urge people to be very careful with their words because towards others and towards themselves. Because uh, it's important to be mindful of that and to and to abstain from um unfairly judging or unfairly hurting people, especially people that are trying to help you. The
2: one the one thing I want to, to, to say is uh yeah, I think it's very important that we we create this alliance and we, we work um, closer together because I believe that only like this we can solve this this problem. Um, uh, also, f- like in in Belgium and with with Icato, what happened is that um, I have always been dreaming of creating a, a proper office, you know, <laughs> for us. And uh, so we have been working, as I said, with this uh, lawyer law firm uh, Droit Liberté Rights and Freedoms. And we were looking uh, of uh, sharing an office um, with them. So, but um, the thing is that uh, we have to get every member to participate with at least 10 euros monthly <laughs> to be able to pull this uh, project off. And then I've also been working in creating a proper TI clinic. So uh, what we would like to do is to have this uh, well, the, the law firm, eCator uh, and this TI clinic all on the one roof so that uh, TIs can be diagnosed there and helped and uh, and treated. Uh, Also to protect our members from this false psychiatric diagnosis. Uh, You know, that happens uh, unfortunately still much too often. Uh, So I'm at the moment working on this. Uh, The crucial, well, we need, but we need the critical mass of members um, to to be willing to um, well, give at least ten euros a month so we can move out of my home, <laughs> move out the office out of my home, and uh, create a, a proper office with uh, rights and freedoms, with have the lawyers in house, uh, the doctors in house, and uh, and Icato, of course. So we're helping. We're asking the members to to help us to support um, this project. And uh, if you look on the Icato website, there is a section that is called membership and donations and would like to call on the member support so that we can move this um the office out of my place uh, as soon as possible i think it's very important uh, because it also gives um us well a more professional image <laughs> and especially as recently unfortunately we had some setback uh, it happened when emma came over we had one of our uh, former board members, that is called, his name is George Pierce, um, who, who I was always surprised that he was um, actually involved in ICATO because he himself is not a victim. He's always said he's not a victim. He's um, just, he said he was just very interested in this, this issue. So um, maybe I was not cautious enough uh, at the beginning, but uh, I never had any signs that uh, he could be dishonest or before at least. And I have thought, well, you know, it's actually something extraordinary or exceptional that a citizen that himself does not consider himself to be a victim is interested in the subject and he really wanted to be part of ICATOR and, and to help, although we did not have so much help because he cannot use a computer. So uh, he, you know, uh, practically, let's say he could not contribute uh, very much, but anyway, uh, we let him on the board. Um, maybe I should have vetted him better. And uh, whilst I was here on my summer holidays, um, I re- I had to fly back to uh, to Brussels <laughs> to interrupt my holidays because I have learned that um, uh, as something happened before, he went to our attorney behind my back without me knowing and uh, told him that uh, he had. Been involved in the board or he's involved in the board and uh, he asked him to drop our case so not to go to court, because according to him all this um issue this ti issue was not serious um we were not serious we were not uh, working enough or we were not working we were only costing money <laughs> And he tried to dissuade him to uh, take the case uh, and he asked him to drop the case because he said, I was not serious. The whole TI issue was not serious. So luckily for us, our attorney said, no, um, I'm not dropping this case. Uh, I, uh, you know, I took it on because it's exactly what I wanted to do. It's a public interest case. Uh, uh, I took a commitment when I, when I took this case on. Uh, I did not do it lightly. I reflected on it and uh, I, on the contrary, I believe it's very, very serious. Uh, This is is genocide. It's crime against humanity. This is what I, when I became a lawyer, wanted to do. (laughs) And especially what I wanted to do with the Rights and Freedoms Association. So uh, I'm not doping this case. Uh, And uh, I have taken a commitment towards your members, towards Melanie, as as your president, and uh I'm not grappling the space but he t- did tell me about this later. He said, "Well, are you sure about this person because you know i find, find it very particu- uh, particular that he came and tried to dissuade me from you know going forward with secret case, so that was the first warning sign we we had. Uh, I then organised um, uh, a uh, confrontation when I was back from the Christmas holidays between the two, and uh, I asked Paolo to tell me, tell us to tell George what he said that he had told him. Uh, Paolo repeated exactly what you know George had told him, and that he had asked him to drop the case, and I asked George, and George said he couldn't remember couldn't remember anything about this conversation and he was not sure. And so, okay, we left it at that. And then just the night before, Anat came over, you know, to have the conference with uh, Target of Justice, Roy um, uh, Liberté, Rights and Freedoms, and ICATO, we held a conference together. Um, uh, he called, he, uh, this person, George, called me himself to t- tell me that he had just called the president of the Bar Association. To complain about Paulo to complain about this partnership <laughs> and to complain about ikator and that we were not doing much and that he uh, <laughs> that he wanted to know uh, about Paulo's qualifications uh, you know um so obviously putting uh, let's say the honorability of our association while well, questioning that was the president of the bar Association uh well um, spreading evil Rumors about Royal Liberté, Paolo Crescento um, as our head lawyer, and and obviously Icato and, um, and myself. <laughs> so uh, I at the, that time I had to convene the board, and we um, we suspended him. You know, he, he suspended his rights. And on the thirty first of March, I organized an extraordinary general assembly, and there was a two third majority vote to exclude him from the from the board uh so he has now filed in this uh, in during my summer he had to fly back uh he has entered a referee procedure, which is an emergency procedure to fight his exclusion and uh he stated that he did not agree with that and uh, he wants to be taken back so that has already um you know caused a lot of legal uh costs and issues uh in in addition to stress and me having to fly back. <laughs> so of course we'll claim the, the ticket fee um you know um as a prejudice. But um if um I would also launch an appeal, I will not dwell on that, but uh if members could support us with the legal fees that we already had now and uh there will be have to we will have to write conclusions. Uh, then this would be very much appreciated. So if people could help us uh, with uh, donations on um, the membership and donations on the EKT website, there's a fundraiser um, site. That would be very much appreciated because it was really um, unforeseen. It is pretty shocking uh, what he did, and uh, it, it has the potential of stalling our work. Which is, which is I think, is you know, uh, it's, it's inexcusable, usable to, to do something like that a the community, there's a suffering, we're, we're dealing with a, with a crime against humanity, you know, probably one of the worst that has ever happened in history, uh, and to do this just because you're on an ego trip, you know, uh, and can't uh, stand that you have been excluded when the vote was valid, uh, that is really, um, yeah, we'll, we'll need the members' help to, to fight that and uh, so that his exclusion can be maintained and we can go on Doing what we're doing—that's the only thing I wanted to to say. <laughs> I don't don't want to you know talk longly about it, but the, the members' help would be appreciated.
0: Thank you, Melanie. We will certainly post a link to ICATOR website where uh, people can make donations. Thank you for describing this incredibly hard fight that you are in the middle of. Uh, did, what you described with your member—it seems to be a common tactic. Uh, uh for other organizations as well and this is uh, one of the reasons we are forming a um a global coalition that you mentioned um between packs uh ICATUR, targeted justice we're all in this fight a lot of information you actually answered all of my questions about the icator lawsuit about about your um about the reaction of targeted individuals in uh, in the uh, in Europe um, with respect uh, uh, to our legal efforts. Uh, so, uh, thank you, Melanie. A lot of information. We'll digest it. We'll post the link. Thank you for your for your for your story for your dedication to our uh, common cause.
2: Thank you so much for inviting me and to offer me this this platform today. And thank you also to Anna for her courageous efforts and that
1: I fully support and we will win this fight. (laughs) We will. We will. And I just want to add to that, that in this union with uh, Equator and Pax, I mean, we are going to a put in the public uh, realm, uh, if if Melanie is going to make efforts to get us to the European Parliament, and mm-hmm. uh, Richard Lighthouse has, uh, as an expert, has committed himself to uh, testifying, you know, he does have the credentials, he does have the expertise to bring to light the Ongoing Holocaust. I mean, in in Europe, people are very sensitive about talking about the Holocaust and everything, but yeah. they don't realize that nations are looking the other way to this Holocaust, silent Holocaust going on around the world. It's not just in Germany or Poland. And so, uh, I think that it could or this, this union we're going to have, including with the Tribunal of Conscience, is going to be. um Essential to bring to the public realm, like when I went there and, and I was in that conference with Droit and Liberté. It's clear that the government criminals that are behind this program don't want alliances and don't want people to hear me or hear Melanie speak or hear you, Len, because when we speak the truth, then people start waking up. And and they don't want that. That's why they they are just curtailing, trying to curtail every uh, effort we make. But 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 they're not going to prevail because we have proven, as uh, Melanie, I was telling Len, that you know you taught me how we're failed experiments. We have proven that these failed experiments are going to triumph against their evil shenanigans, Len.
0: Thank you, Anna. That that's that's uh, that's a very n- nice way of putting uh, these two words. Well, our episode is coming to an end, and it's time uh, to ask our guests for their final remarks. Um, let's uh, ask Melanie what your final thoughts are.
2: Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, my final thoughts are that um, we're getting stronger and stronger. I'm so pleased about this alliance, uh, and I strongly believe that we will, we will win that, but we will win it because we'll fight and we'll um, join our, our forces. That is gonna be the key, uh, you know, from uh, all targeted individuals on all the different continents um, and we're people from different backgrounds and, uh, and uh, different life experience, but we all unite in, with, with one objective and that's why we're gonna reach this objective. And I believe it's something historical. Uh, I can just relate to what Anna said at the beginning of this show, that uh, I'd rather, I'd like to be nowhere in, you know, in my life than precisely fulfilling the role that I now fulfill. <laughs> I would like to be on, you know, in, no, just doing nothing else. Uh, I don't know if you can call it a vocation or <laughs> something like that, but uh, I'm so honored and I'm so proud and I'm so pleased to be part of this, you know. And if I can contribute with my little <laughs> bit uh, and fill my civil duties, uh, then, then I'm incredibly honored and proud. And I believe we will win. We will win this fight. I know how difficult it is for you know. I have so many victims that come to me that thinking about suicide, but just hold on a little longer, you know, and uh, give us the chance to to prove to you that we will resolve this and peace will come back to this to the and to you.
0: Thank you, Melanie, for your words of wisdom, for your dedication, for your life of purpose. Uh, and uh, now, Anna, uh, please, your final thoughts.
1: Yeah, I I want to echo, hey, Melanie, when I began this fight, I said to people, we're on mile 23 of the marathon. Now we're on mile 24, I say, uh, you know, figuratively speaking. And it's it's a little bit more time, yes, but uh, the rewards are going to be great. Uh, we each targeted individual is is responsible for changing history, for having a held on hold on to, to their lives despite all the horrible things that have been done to them, to us. So I, I just urge you to live. I live sometimes one minute at a time, just one hour at a time. And and that helps, you know, being grateful to God. Like this morning, I was just so grateful for the nice cup of coffee I had. Just practice gratitude and practice living in the moment right now i'm fine and and that's all that matters okay so it's just a little bit more time while the courts um, i have complete hope that the courts will actually administer justice as it has
0: to be thank you anna for these inspirational words as for me i'm calling this show fifth circuit is the place to be There are some truly amazing, earth-shaking things brewing in this constitution-bound U.S. Court of Appeals. The judges in this court are presented not with one, but two cases challenging constitutionality of the terrorist screen database and and the apparent abuse of the liberties and rights of the U.S. citizens that the government agencies first and foremost, the FBI is manifestly involved in. They do it openly. They talk about using their own secret rules and without proper authorization of Congress and without any respect to the Constitution. This has to stop, and I believe this will stop if we unite our efforts, American Muslims, American targeted individuals, and all Americans. And when it does, we will be able to celebrate the return of all our freedoms until that happens. We will be here every Sunday, rain or shine.